Okay, tonight, <clears throat> the subject of church membership. When you hear the word or the words church membership, what does that make you do? What does that, what goes through your mind? Anybody? Hmm? Baptism, okay. That's one of the things that uh, is required for that. And that's good that we think like that. Are there any thought, other thoughts about what the words church membership make you think about? Committed? Committed to a church? Okay. Responsible? An active part of it? What else? <laughs> well... Tithing is something that God does in your heart. Yes, it is in the Bible, and yes, we should be doing it, but only God knows if you're truly tithing or if you're given what or maybe a part of what you have left over. You know, nobody really knows. I mean, you don't know how much I tithe because you don't see my tax return. You don't know how much I make. You don't know if I tithe at all. You hope I do, because it is something that I should be doing as a believer first, a church member second. When you've heard the word church membership, did any of you ever associate it with like junk email or credit card offers that come in the mail? <laughs> don't need that. Any of you ever see it like that? Good. How about a high-pressure sales pitch from any one of the, uh, the entities that are running around? Like the gym. You, I just, I just want to work out. You know, I just want to come in and pay eight, ten bucks, whatever you want to charge me for a daily rate. I just want to work out. And you get a high-pressured sales pitch about, well, we've got this special running this month only, and you need to make that decision today to get this price. Otherwise, it goes up 20%. I really hope that you never experienced anything like that. And you never experienced it from anybody in this church or any other church where you were a member or if you're a member here. Uh, do you have, have you ever thought of it as it's a tool for keeping track of church attendance? Who's here and who's not here? Yes, no? It can be. It sure can be, Okay. But on any given day, who's a member and who's a visitor? How do we know? Um, Western culture doesn't see it as a tragedy that Christians are separated from the body of believers not being an actual member of a church, even though you're a believer. Western culture has taken it out of us that it's not... Uh, <clears throat> it's not inviting to be exclusive. We want to be, we want to be inviting to visitors. And when we talk about church membership, it feels like we're an exclusive club. No, we're not. But Western culture in the day and time in which we live wants us to believe that. There are a lot of 
Christians that see it as normal Christianity to be, the lone, be a Lone Ranger Christian. Not tied down to any church. Not stuck at any church. But with the freedom to go and worship wherever I want. I like the music at this one. Because it's upbeat. It's loud. And I like it. I like the preaching over here. And I'll go over there for that. Now we don't see that activity. But it is out there. I, I will tell you that uh, I've been to a church in Fort Worth, and, I, and I'll give you some numbers here in a minute, but I don't know. I have, I'm not there consistently. Let's just put it that way. I go there occasionally when Kay and I go up and spend time a weekend with uh, Brad and Tori, and we go to church with them. And I look at that massive church congregation. They have a Saturday night service. They have two on Sunday. Why? They can't put everybody in there at one time, so they have multiple services. A long, long time ago, before we had the big round building over here, <coughs> we were all, hi ladies, <laughs> thank you for coming, thank you for coming tonight. <laughs> they were in a meeting. Anyway, we used to meet in this little building right here. Three services. Kim remembers it. She was a college student at that time. College kids are notorious for not getting up before 11. So what time was the college service, Kim? Yeah, it was, it was nothing but college, right? Right. We had three services. It was a tiring time at church on Sunday morning. Okay, we had three congregations. Even when we moved over here to the round building, we had, that comes from the power plant, big round thing. That's round, this is rectangular. Um, we had the balcony church, and we had the floor level church. And if you never went to the balcony, you weren't sure who was up there. Because those people very rarely came downstairs to see anybody. They parked up there in the upper parking lot, and they went out the top. If they didn't come down, we didn't go up. So we had two churches. It's very easy for a church not to know who's a member and who is. That's why we stress it here, and it's so important for people to make known their membership. Why? Because we want to be effective in ministering. And number two, we don't want to give an illusion to somebody that is not saved and not a member of the church that they're okay. Elders are responsible for that. They're responsible for the health of a church. And if there are individuals that are not saved, yet they're being treated as though they are, we're doing them a major disservice, and I believe God holds us accountable for that. But that is a whole other subject for another time. Here are some statistics, and you're going to be shocked by these, and maybe you won't. Typical Southern Baptist Church, 176 members. How many do you think are there on a Sunday morning? 
you're not going to be shocked by these numbers then. You're hitting it on the money. Uh, 69 present out of 176. Where are the rest of them? Some of them may have died. It's true. Because unless you have an active person taking care of the church role, if somebody dies in the church role and they don't get removed, there's still a number. Let's forget about those people. What about the rest of them? Are they on vacation? Hmm? Some? Where? Football game? That's not on the list, but I'll add it. Okay? Where? At home. Why would they be at home? <laughs> okay. Huh? Thank you. Why? They're what? They're already a member. It's not necessary for me to be there. Right. It's not that big a deal. What's the problem? Yeah. I'm good. I'm saved. I'm a church member. I don't got to make every bean pot supper that comes down the road. Did my wife ever hear that little comment? Who'd she hear it from? Me. Me, yeah, and my young Christianity, okay? <clears throat> I said I didn't want to be invited to everyone, and then I was offended when I wasn't. You know, I was, I was a true church member. But <laughs> anyway, they can be lots of different places, but the staggering number is they just don't see that it's that big a deal. You as parents, some of you aren't parents yet, but you are a child in a family. Is it a big deal for you to be in attendance at the annual Thanksgiving meal? Or is it, it ain't a big deal? Huh? Why is it a big deal? Huh? No. No, Robert. <laughs> Why is it a big deal that you're not there? You're a family member. You are part of that family, an intricate part that nobody else can replace. It's no different in the church. You're an intricate part in this church, and I don't care if you're scrubbing toilets or standing in the pulpit, or yanking weeds out of the flower bed, or changing nasty little diapers on the little crumb crunchers in there in the nursery, okay? It's important for you to be here because you're needed. And the body hurts when you're not here. And think of those people that are just visitors. What is an important part of you as a member of a church in the life of an unbeliever? Let's go to um, the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, 
verse 14. Anybody got a, never mind, I got a light. You're going to laugh at this, but it is definitely needed up here, and I wish that light worked. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Who is he talking to? Everybody that was there. Most of them weren't saved. All who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. He gives an account of what the prophet in the Old Testament, Joel, said. We keep going, and we get down to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? I have a little note written in here. And, I, and it says, do I feel this way when I sin? Now why would I write that in that particular verse right there? It's a reminder to me, am I cut to the heart when I sin? These men, these people, women included, had just experienced something that they had done, which was what? Huh? Given a go-ahead to crucify Christ. Huh? Absolutely, and they knew it because they knew, they, they were probed by the Holy Spirit that that man was innocent and they gave a thumbs up for his execution. So they were cut to the heart. What should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins <clears throat> and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many were other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Where were those 3,000 souls added to? The body of Christ, right? Which is what today? The local church. It was a big deal then. Somebody continue reading there in the next verse where it says, uh, the following, the fellowship of the believers. Brent, read that for me. Uh, the very next one. Yeah. Stop. They what? Steadfastly persevered. Do you steadfastly persevere to be here when the doors open? Don't answer that. Just I'm just asking, okay? 
because this is what Western culture wants to teach us. It's not a big deal if you're not. But go ahead, Brent. Thank you. That ought to drive a stake in our hearts. No, they didn't have nine to five jobs, but they did work. But it says that they did what daily? They assembled. For what reason? Because they had to? Doesn't sound like they had to to keep their membership alive or to keep their membership active. Sounded like they were, they desired to do it and there wasn't a whole lot that would probably keep them from doing that. They didn't let anything get in the way. Not Disneyland, not Destin, Florida. By the way, they're going to need to rebuild after today. <laughs> so find someplace else to vacation. But they didn't have those distractions that you and I have today that keep us away from church on Sundays, church on Wednesday. Church membership was a big deal to them. They craved it because they were freshly reminded of what had just taken place personally in their lives, and that was the forgiveness of their sins. Exactly. That's a cynical view, but it's accurate. Blake and I think a lot alike. So the New Testament church was vital, it was active because it was brand new and it was fresh. And we have to fight against all the things that keep us from running out of energy, having other things get in the way, and have a desire to be here, to hear the teaching of the word and fellowshipping together. There are multiple reasons why we do that. Here's one of them. It assures us of our salvation. You think about the things that they did. It's not that we come to church in order to be saved, but it is assuring us of our salvation in the way that we take church in and the way that we respond to it. 
Because the non-believer is probably not going to be here on Wednesday night. They think church is Sunday morning. And unless we tell them otherwise and let them know that we meet at other times, they're not going to have a clue. <clears throat> this is a testimony of us being here tonight. It is a testimony to everybody running up and down 205 right now. I gave a little bit of a testimony to a guy that was in a bind on the way home from work today. Had a little thing going on with his 18-wheeler. It was on fire. And we got it out, and he was trying to call help. And the guy at the other end of the phone wasn't real helpful. He just wanted that load of water he had delivered. The guy wasn't going anywhere. But I did something that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but the guy needed help. And when I got done, and everything was as okay as it was going to be, I said, man, good to meet you. I got to go teach Bible study tonight. <laughs> and he went, okay. <laughs> He's working tonight. I don't know if he has any concept of church whatsoever. But when you're a member of a church, you'll do things to help people you wouldn't normally do. Right here in this body and outside of this body. Um, it's a testimony by us being here tonight, being an active member part of this church. It's a testimony to the universal church. What's the universal church? Hmm? Believers everywhere. Where? I know everywhere. Where? Name some. <laughs> Cedar Point Baptist Church, little white building down here on the left, right? There's, there's a few there. Where else? Gateway Church in Dallas. How many ever been there? I haven't. Two. Two have been there. What's it like? Big? Huge, okay? I work with a guy. <laughs> he and his wife go to Gateway Church on Saturday. And that's all he feels like he needs. So here I am today putting the finishing touches on this at 5 a.m. sitting at my desk. And Big Bruce comes walking by and he goes, Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing a Bible study on church membership. He goes, oh. He said, you really think you need that? And I said, well, the Bible tells us we do, Bruce. And Bruce and I go way back. And we had a lot of in-depth discussions. And he said, I don't think it's a big deal. I said, why? He said, well, he said, I'm saved. I said, I know, and you go to Gateway, right? And I don't want to run that down, but I have to say, you go to Gateway, right, once a week? Yeah. I said, uh, how much in contact are you with people in that church? Bruce started to get a little uneasy. And I said, I'm not pinning you down. I'm just asking you a question. 
how many times are you in contact during the week with people at the church, just even men? He said, oh, I talked to a couple guys there. I said, how often? He said, well, you know, maybe once every other week. <laughs> I said, Bruce, I said, it's not enough for you as a believing Christian. I said, why are you and I having this discussion right now? He said, well, we're both believers. I said, exactly. I said, we need to be around each other just like I need to be at my church tonight and Sunday, just like you need to be at a church that you can be at regularly. I said, I know you enjoy Gateway. You've told me that. But you're not an active part at Gateway. And he thought an active part of being at Gateway was hitting a men's function when they had it. But that is Western civilization and culture and how they see the, the need for membership in church today. And Bruce is a great guy. There's no, I'm, not, I'm not the least bit concerned that he's not saved. But he needs to be a member of a church because he would be a great asset to it, just like you are. Is that you, Stacy? Oh, okay. Well, I saw Courtney cut her eyes that way and grin, and I thought you had said something, so. <laughs> okay. It's important for us to be part of a local body, a church. It reassures us of our salvation because we'll get plugged into each other's lives. If we're not, if we're not, if we're not a saved member, we probably don't want to get plugged into anybody's life that has problems. And we here at Rocky Point, we don't have problems. Okay? We 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 don't have problems. It's all happy-go-lucky time here. Just a great time. You ever been around anybody that just absolutely just sucks the energy out of you? Yeah. But guess what? It's a target for the gospel. It really is. Because there's a very, very good chance they don't know Jesus. That's the second point of being a member of a church, and that is to evangelize the world. Whether it's your next door neighbor, or whether it's the guy at work, or whether it's the mother or the father of the children that you watch, or it's the parents of children that you teach, or it's the people that you work with on the police force, and I know that can be draining, because I know some of our officers. <laughs> oh, I just had to throw that in, Jay. <laughs> Different line of, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but when we act together as a church, we have a better chance of evangelizing the world. Why? Let's just take our trip to Uganda. How many of you would go to Uganda all by yourself. <laughs> all by yourself. No. Okay. Okay. 
Tina would go by herself. Could, could you financially afford to go by yourself? <laughs> when we hook up as a church, and then this church hooks up with another church, and they partner, now Stacy, Courtney, that's where I'm relying on you two to help me out. Xander is not saying a word because he knows I'm up here. <laughs> but, ladies, what church is it that we partner with to go to Uganda? They're in South Texas. Seguin? High Point, okay? Does High Point kind of spearhead it? Okay. And when we hook up with High Point, we go to Uganda, and we, we stagger it. So it is a constant flow of people and teaching into a local mission area that does what? To other preachers, it trains other preachers, and where do these other preachers go? Out. They go to their home tribes, towns, whatever they call them, because they are there day in and day out. Sure, we could go over there and go blowing in there and spend two weeks and blow right out, and we'll see you in 50, 50, 50 weeks later. We'll see you next year. That's not as effective as a church hooking up with another church, getting on a schedule, rotating through where those pastors of those small towns and tribes are fed constantly, and then they go back and they live it out in front, and what do they do there? What do they do in that community they're in? They start a church. They evangelize their community. And when we do that, guess what we're doing? We're evangelizing right here amongst us because when we talk about it in that round building in there on Sunday morning, there's visitors that are sitting there listening. That's Acts. They preached the word, and others were added to the church. They evangelized that local area. We evangelized this local area by our linking together with each other as church members, hooking up with another church to go completely across the big pond over there to another continent and evangelize them. We can do it financially. We can do it with people. You bet we do. Why? Because we're a church. There's responsibility, and when you, when you are a member of a church, you realize the responsibility that you have to each other. Not just freelancing it. Doing your own thing. Worshiping at home. <laughs> Had that conversation, too, with a guy that I used to carpool with. Didn't last very long when I asked him, Chuck, Why don't you come to church, man? He said, I worship God at home on Sunday morning. I said, where? <laughs> Back in my younger days when I wasn't near as confrontational. And I said, where? And he said, in my garage. I said, what's in your garage? He said, 
my truck. <laughs> I said, Chuck, I got to be honest with you. I said, I'll throw it out there. I don't think you're worshiping God when you're in there in the garage with your truck on Sunday morning. Chuck told me he didn't want to carpool anymore that day. No, we didn't. And I haven't seen Chuck since. But the church needs to be embedded in a local body as active members and not freelancing it and doing their own thing because you're very ineffective like that. And number two, you will not be held accountable. When you're in a church body and somebody notices that you're not there, I got to ask Sunday, hey, haven't seen you in a couple weeks. Where you been? <laughs> well, I said I was in Savannah, Georgia with my son. He just got back from Afghanistan and we went and hung out for a week. Okay, good. Glad you're back. <laughs> it was one of our church members. I'm glad she said it. She needed to. As Christians, when we become lone rangers, we're not only very ineffective, but we stand a very good chance of slipping out in a way totally and altogether. Not that we will lose our salvation if we're truly saved. But we can start living as though we're not. And we're going to be one of two examples to the world. We're either going to be a good example for Christ or we're going to be a bad example for Christ. You don't get to walk right down the middle and, and think that you're going to stay there very long. You just won't. You'll slip away. So, evangelizing the world, then to edify the church, building up of other believers, encountering our own individualism as we realize the corporate nature of Christianity. It helps when you're here as often as you possibly can be. And I say that because I leave you some wiggle room in that. Everyone in here has some time where can't make it. I understand. I can get yanked at the power plant and told, man, can you hang two more hours? It almost happened today. And if I'd been asked, I'd say, nope, not tonight. I'm teaching. But it helps counter our individualism, which keeps us focused and going in the right direction. And it also helps one another. Um, <clears throat> Do you feel like you have a lot of pain in your life, a lot of suffering? All right, let's narrow the pain down. How about emotional pain and suffering? What do I mean by that? Anybody? Anybody have any? Good. We're all free of that. 
the human condition, it is, how readily will we admit it to one another? Who? Marty. Weren't you the one that was talking? <laughs> okay. It's a certified fact. I'm going there, James. Okay? I'm going there. Certified fact. VA certified it. I can't hear real well. <laughs> How about that? Blake has been after me for two years now. He said he can help me. Well, I'm still not there. <laughs> but anyway, Marty Gresham, thank you. What did you say? Fallen human, yeah. It's not going away. Okay. Why is that important? Why is it important to open up? Okay. What does the Bible tell us about? Okay. Just sin. Okay. What about just things that are going on? I can do it. I can handle it. I'll just... Yeah, that's you back there talking now. I've got you. <laughs> what did you say, Marty? That's how we're encouraged, to press on, right? To press on to what? The day that Christ returns. Or we die. It's a win. It's a win situation. <laughs> what, Robert? <laughs> okay. Struggles that we have. Now, Tammy, I'm going to use you as an example. Don't freak out, okay? This is, this is, this is really okay. <laughs> Tammy, Tammy walked into our Sunday school class one morning. I was thrilled to death to see her walk in. She just walked in and sat down, right? Just out of the clear blue. Tammy heard everything that was going on. What did that do? You tell me, and then I'll, I'll let you if you want to. You don't have to. But what do you think that did for Tammy? Okay. 
because found out Tammy had the same struggle that some of us have sometimes when we're working night shifts. Difficult to sleep. And I was stunned but thankful that working night shifts Sunday night, she was in Bible study Sunday morning and in worship Sunday morning. I got an outage coming up and I'll be working nights. Guess what? It may mean Art needs to stay up a couple extra hours. But if you catch me doing the nods in there, okay? Okay. <laughs> but Tammy walked into a room of people she didn't know. She may have been acquainted with a couple, but she listened. She became part of that Sunday school class because she felt comfortable to be in there and comfortable enough to open up and say, I need you guys to pray for me. That when I leave out of here, I go home and I go to sleep. Because I'll have to get up in a few hours. That's a witness to Tammy, but it's also a witness to us. That we should be real and open up. Um... Do we, do we experience pain here at Rocky Point? Okay. Let's see. Anybody got an example? <laughs> Anybody have an example of a painful moment at Rocky Point? <laughs> And personally. <laughs> you think? You think, right? Yeah. Is it, is it painful to hear that the Heinzies are leaving? Is it painful to hear that Josh and Stacy are leaving? Okay. They're not sitting here. I would have picked that out too, but yeah. Is it painful? Yeah, it is. Guess what? That's life. That's life in the church. People are going to come. People are going to go. And some are going to die amongst us, right? Was it painful when Virginia Bruce died? To some, yes. To some, you didn't even know her. Because she hadn't been here in a long time. Okay? So there is pain. Is there joy? Yeah. Was there joy when Edward and Jennifer came and joined us? Absolutely. I was thrilled to death. <laughs> it felt good. Was there joy when Josh and Stacy joined us? Again, I was thrilled to death. You bet. But we go through that as a collective body, as a group. And it's painful when they leave. And it's joyful when some come. Is it going to be a joyful moment when a new senior pastor is put in place? Is it going to be joyful in a process? <laughs> yes! <laughs> it needs to be. Who said that? Or did I make that up? Okay. 
It should be joyful in the process, but it can still be painful. It can be very painful if we start pulling in opposite directions. Okay? We need to pull in the same direction. That's called unity. Christ stressed that in his church to be unified. For what reason? Number one reason. Exactly. And that we worship a God who is worthy to be honored and glorified by our actions. Um, I want you to turn to another scripture, 1 Peter 2.12. How many of you know that by heart? Hmm. 1 Peter 2.12. 1 Peter 2.12 says... right with you. 2.12. What's the day of visitation? When Christ returns. What about till then? Huh? Or when they die. But what, what, what is uh, Peter talking about here about our deeds? What are they to be? Honorable for what reason? The glory of God. That means in our speech, our conduct, how we... And conduct is a massive word, but I'm going to break it down. How we treat each other. That's massive. You ever had any squabbles with anybody in church? Every head in here ought to be going, yes. Some of you haven't been long enough to probably have one yet, but you will. You know, if you're part of a body, you will have. Yes, we have. How did we treat each other? Enough said. Are people watching that? Unfortunately, are people seeing that? The way we live will or will not bring glory to God. Peter saw this, <clears throat> I'm sure, in his own life. Think about how did Peter act when Jesus was arrested? Hmm? Oh, yeah. Everybody remembers Peter did that, right? Especially the guy who lost the ear. <laughs> hey, remember, we read it. We remember how Peter acted, right? Followed it. Why did he follow at a distance? Okay.
There we go. Because what had Jesus done to him prior to that? He warned him it was going to happen. And what did Peter say? Never. Mm-mm. I'm yours, buddy. <laughs> I'm there with you. It's not going to happen. And it did happen shortly thereafter. Peter was fearful. There wasn't a church that Peter was a member of at that time other than the local body of 12 who were still trying to figure out who this guy Jesus was. But Peter followed at a distance. And then what did he do when the little girl came up to him? Denied him. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Did everything he could to distance himself from being identified with him, right? In the book of Acts, who was this dude giving this sermon? What happened? The Holy Spirit happened, why? That's right, because Peter was saved. Peter was saved now. He was part of the leadership of the local church as it was forming. And he preached a message that he wouldn't have gotten anywhere near prior to this. And what happened? People were broken. How many of you have friends that are anywhere around you now that knew you in your prior days before you were saved? <laughs> Whole family of them, huh? Exactly. Exactly. We have friends. Do they see a difference now? Do some of them not want to be anywhere around you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some don't even want to breathe the same air that I exhale. That's how far away they want to be. They, they want to stay as far away from me as they can. But I'm also one of the first ones they go to when they got a problem. I'm talking about guys at the plant. Family members. To bring glorify, glorification to God, Peter changed. We should be changed too when we're truly saved. And as we get older, every head came up. <laughs> as we get older, how should we be? Huh? Right. Not how we were when we were first saved, but more like Christ. So what are, the, what are the four things I talked about? What does it reassure us of being a member of a church? Our salvation. It reassures us of it in multiple ways. What does it help us do? Second point, what was it? 
Spread the word. Evangelize the world, right? The world in Stephenville, Texas, and the world abroad. What does it do to our local church when we become a member and we're plugged in? What? And what does that do to the church? Strengthens it. It edifies the church, right? Helps it become stronger. Because the days that lie ahead of us, folks, are evil. I do not know. I'm not going political on you, okay? But in the last five years, and maybe it's just because I'm getting old, but I have seen a major change of wickedness in our political system where it is it's anything to win that same destructive force is aimed at the church it's just it's just veiled right now but it is aimed at the church And the day is coming where we will be highly persecuted. I don't know that I'll live to see it, but I think some of you will, and most definitely your children. And I say that because I have two little grandkids, and I hope mom and dad are strong in their faith because they're going to need to be. That's when you're going to see the church really come together or splinter and run. And the last thing is to glorify God. How did Stephen glorify God? Was he being persecuted? He was. And what did he say when he prayed? What did Jesus pray when he was hanging on the cross just before he died? That's a true believer. That's the mark of a true believer. A lot of, lot of places I've gone tonight, a lot of things I've said. Um, when I'm trying to put some of this stuff together, man, I get scattered and I go off on some trails sometimes. And sometimes I cannot, I wish I had a pen because I'd be writing on anything that a pen could write on. Then I'd have to go back and transpose it onto paper. Because some of the wildest, not, not wild, but just things that pop into my head I couldn't remember them right now if I had to they'll come back though <laughs> they make appearances they show up from time to time <laughs> but I wish that I could collect all those things because I see it and I read about it and I hear about it and I think that's coming 
someday to us as a, as a body of believers. It's going to happen. And you, you may think at times that I'm a nutty old dude. <laughs> I know my wife does. But I don't think I am. There's a, there's a lot... Um, a lot to church membership, but every bit of it is good for you as a believer. And if you're not a member of this church, we're going to be starting a, and I wish I could tell you an exact date, but we're going to be starting another new members class. And if you're not a member of the church and you want to be, let me know, okay? Because we'd love for you to sit through it so that you know exactly Everything that the church, this church stands for and what we try to do. If you have any questions, see me or one of the elders at any time. All right, any questions, anything that I may have touched on that you want to share? Anybody? Marty? For endurance, not for being alleviated from it, no. For endurance through it. You said, you said something very important. When we seek the goodwill of others, where does that start? At home, thank you. Right in the very wall in which you reside. It starts with James and Hannah, in Marty's case. Then where does it go? Okay. right it's a great way to end this think about think about your immediate family and those that you're around all the time to prove that I'm right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For what?
you said something here, and I want I want to end it with, end it with this thought. What is the one thing that you have the opportunity to do now that you will never ever get in heaven? Hmm. Share the gospel. I'm glad you know that. You're not going to have that opportunity in heaven. But it's the greatest thing and the greatest news that you could ever share with anybody. And whether they accept it or they shove it back in your face, it doesn't matter. You'll never ever get that opportunity once you go to be with the Lord. It's over. James, will you close us in prayer?